welcome to Psychos and Sociopaths. This is going to be uh, uh, put up in the evening because we uh, were busy all week and I was sick and couldn't do a lot of stuff. But today we're going to talk about uh, what happened in Wichita Falls a couple of years ago. Uh, and we're going to talk about Cody Lotz. Lotz was born in January 7th, 1996 in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, to David and Christy Lotz. Um, what's really, and I'm going to jump a little bit on this one. Uh, the reason why he did all this was because he said the devil uh, told him to do it. Yeah, the devil, devil told him to become evil to save this young girl from the evils of the world. Because I, I watched his uh, police interview. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, he's like, he didn't like the fact that she had a boyfriend and she was going to end up getting raped before she was out of high school and he was just trying to save her from the evils of the world. That doesn't sound anything mentally ill or anything. That was another thing that uh, uh, I like about, the, the, I found this website, it's called Real Live uh, Villains. That's yeah. what I got most of my stuff on this one. Uh, well, and the TV interviews. This is so recent we can actually look at the interviews and everything. Right. Uh, well, they have categories on here. And uh, it goes mentally ill, imprisoned, mass shooter, perverts, paranoid, addicts, uh, addicts, modern villain, murder, destroyer, innocent, cowards, power hungry, Spoiled brats, emotional villains, mastermind. I don't think he was a mastermind. Yeah, uh, no, he well, he was a mastermind. mastermind. Uh, he was, yeah. but anyways, from nobody to not uh, nightmare drug dealers, uh, miss. Yeah, he wasn't. He had a drug problem, I think, but yeah, he did have a drug problem. But uh, you know, I mean, they're they're trying to blame it on. You know, where he was trying to blame it on, and his dad's trying to blame it on the, you know, well, the stresses of the divorce between him and his mother, and it just I mean, one excuse after the other. Well, he's twenty years old. Yeah, that, that was the whole problem. Well, at the time, he was like what seventeen when yeah. it happened. So, but um, you know, it, it. I don't know. It's it it just it to me. No, he was 20 years old when he did it. Oh, was he? Okay. Well, 19 when he did it. Because he was born January... No, he was 20. He was born uh, January 7th, 1996, and it happened in uh, September 2nd, right. uh, 20, uh, 2016. He was uh, prosecuted in uh, 2018. He was found guilty, sentenced to life in prison for his crimes. Honestly, I thought he was, he should have just been murky murked. Yeah. But, but it's it's really ridiculous on some of the stuff that you find out. And this happened, uh, I think, yeah, I think uh, Jason, I was over in that area visiting a friend of mine. And I was like, all the cops and everything, I was like, hey, what's going on? I was like, oh, there was a shooting. I was like, and he did this with like a twenty two. Yeah, it was uh, a twenty two rifle. rifle. But he, he hit her like 15 times. Yeah. Um, twice in the head. So, 
you know, she, while her body may still have had an activity, you know, activity going on, um, they did ultimately pronounce her. I think they waited until they got her to the hospital to pronounce her dead. But she laid out, she laid bleeding out for, for quite a while. So, yeah. I mean, she, he, he, once he hit her in the head, she was done. I mean, even if they'd have been able to resuscitate her, she would have been a vegetable. And, and I mean, clinically brain dead. So it's just the body hadn't given it up yet. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't, it wasn't like a open and shut case on this one either. It took, uh, let's see here. Interesting fact is that the two years that he was in county jail here, mm -hmm. uh, waiting uh, for the trial and everything like that, they found child porn on his cell phone, so they, they hit him with another charge. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, because of, and, and because, in, in his lawyer, you know, that's just the thing about defense attorneys. It's like, how do they sleep at night? You know what I mean? Because they, these, some of these, some of these lawyers, I mean, they'll represent, it's just absolute scum. I mean, to them, it's just a paycheck, right? But, um, you well, know, a lot so, of time it's, it, it really is, uh, it's like, uh, well, uh, it's like when I was working corrections and everything, there was times that, like I had to step up and tell the truth and everything. And it, even though it, it was going against, uh, an inmate with another inmate, I was like, no, this is what happened. And that's how a lot of, a lot of people don't didn't like me when I was working corrections because I'd do the right thing. Yeah, so I mean, but they they moved this trial to Fort Worth because I mean, just the incredible amount of media coverage here in this podunk ass little town of one hundred five thousand people. Yeah, that when it happens in like uh, small towns like this, I mean, it gets super media coverage. Yeah, but the the, the jury in Fort Worth they denied his his insanity plea, and uh, they found him guilty, life in prison. Um, for the murder, and then they gave him like an additional twenty years for the uh, for the assault on on the other girl. Because um, uh, for uh, for Michaela, but uh, Michaela Smith actually, but because uh, I remember the day that that happened, because I remember his her dad. I used to work with her dad when I worked at Blue Cross, hmm. and. Uh, it was about, it was shortly after 3.30, or it was about 3, no, it between 3.30 three and 3, or 3 and 3.30. No, it was, it was like, well, yeah, it was. Because McNeil, McNeil Junior High gets out at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So, he got up and just, bam, bolted. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. And so it, and then everybody started like, oh, you know, there was a shooting. And then, I mean, it started popping up all over Facebook. And. Uh, you know, so it, it, but he was living with his dad at the time and the apartment complex that's over there on Barnett. Yeah. You could, you know, uh, you could, it, it over like you could the apartment see complex I was at. Yeah. So he would watch her like he would just watch the, he not necessarily her at first, but like he could see kids getting out of school at <laughs> McNeil. And for he said for whatever reason, just like she caught his eye, and he just kept watching her like for a month, month, month and a half. Well, here, well, well it was stalking. So, but uh, no, I I got a 
I was listening to uh, a show, and uh, they were talking about uh, they're getting information from uh, people that were talking on the show, mm-hmm. or it, it, it's one of those call-in shows. And uh, what had happened was the she uh, the woman found out that uh, she had he had a uh, dossier of like. Uh, all the times that you know ex-boyfriends where he li- they lived and everything like that on his computer and they were moving in together yeah i was, I was like wow that's that's really creepy yeah i mean you had mentioned his uh uh drug abuse earlier um he was actually arrested four times in 2014 wichita baylor will barger counties uh, for drug possession and property threat, uh, theft. What kind of drugs, though? Because I haven't seen it. Um, most likely it's going to be for things like weed. I'm, I'm but um, or he was actually, it was his mom and his stepdad's apartment that he was living in. Um, and uh, actually it says that he watched her for about a year, growing jealous upon learning that Lauren had a boyfriend and becoming convinced that the devil was telling him to kill her. Um, um, he, his mom and stepdad went on a vacation. So the, he had the apartment all to himself. Um, he went to the gun safe, got the 22 and it was 15 shots that he fired, hit her for, hit Lauren 14 times, hit Michaela once, but, um, and Michaela still carries the bullet around. She's got the round still lodged in her body. Like, it it, would, it rested into a place that was just, like, really tricky. Mm. So they opted to leave it in there. But, um, so, he, once he did the shooting, he dumped the gun in an alleyway somewhere next to a dumpster or something like that. By the way, dumping the gun never works out. Oh, never, never. But Almost, like, 80%, uh, 80% of the times they find the gun. I mean, not unless you, like, dump it in the middle of a lake. But anyways, that I agree. Our lakes, yeah, we, you could do that. But they have, uh, nowadays, they have scavengers. Yeah. They go to, like, lakes. But, like, our lake, our lakes, anything, like, in the south and everything like that, all you have is, like, muddy lakes. You don't have clean lakes. <laughs> oh, Bless yeah. You. But then they had, like, I think it was the day after or a couple of days after, they had a memorial, like a vigil, at the shooting site. And um, there was this couple that had driven into town to attend it. And they kept getting lost and turned around. So they finally got to the area where it was at. And all the, you know, all of the, the with the news coverage and everything like that, I mean, the description of the vehicle went out and all this. This couple had drove, driven in from out of town spotted him going back by the memorial, back by the shooting site. What a piece of shit. So he, he drove by and, like, sat there during the memorial. What a shit pump. Right. So these people, they were like, hey, isn't that the description of the car? And, and so they called it in. And the police officers that were there, one of them was called over to respond to it. And they pulled him over. 
and he'd already gone back and like recovered the gun and so he'd had actually there was eyewitnesses at the apartment complex that stated that they saw him get out of his vehicle reach into his back seat and pull out something that was covered it was obvious that it was a rifle because he had tucked it up under his arm he was trying to act all nonchalant about it because he went back to recover the gun because he thought well if my stepdad stepdad gets back and he realizes that that gun's missing i'm going to get in trouble so he went back got the gun god this guy's stupid wiped it down and everything like that and put it back in the safe right so but when the police officer here pulled him over they you know he had brass knuckles. And at the time, brass knuckles were illegal to own in the state of Texas. So they arrested him. Yeah. And <coughs> so they were using, they used that as, as means to arrest him. And then um, once they got him to the police station and the detective was interviewing him, they used the, you know, they used the, the, the crime to stop her tip. You know, like, well, hey, you know, your, your vehicle matches it. What were you doing over there? And, yeah, I mean, at first he just kept denying it, kept denying it, kept denying it. I mean, this interview was basically a train wreck. Like, you, you just couldn't turn away. And so um, he eventually just came out and he was like, yeah, you know, I've been talking to the devil. And the devil told me that, you know, I, I needed to kill her. And he said that he became evil in order to save her from the evils of the world. That, yeah. You know, and... and, and you know, what? You know, uh, thinking about it, we really hadn't had, like, the devil made me do it in a while. Well, this dude personified it. And, and yeah. you know, and, 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 and he had been uh, releasing, like, posting articles about mass shooters and their Illuminati links and stuff like that to his social media pages. Um... He, uh, you know, I mean, it just uh, a lot of paranoia and stuff like that. So he, he'd he been probably planning a shooting murder of somebody. He knew that he was going to kill somebody for probably two, two and a half years before he actually went ahead and did it. Um, but, you know, it, and, and I feel bad for his parents. Because his dad drove in. Actually, I think his dad still lives here in town. But, I mean, his dad was like, you know, at first his dad was like, you know, if he did it, he did it. And he needs to pay. You know, which is what any rational human being would say. You know, hey, if, yeah. if, if he did the crime, he needs to do the time. Unless you got someone that thinks that their kid's innocent and everything and they're precious. That no well, I mean, what. his dad, <clears throat> I'm not saying his dad was a bad person. Right? You know, we're not going to sit there and try to shoehorn, or shoehorn him into this no, stereotypical that, mold that he was. Like, no, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing oh, to I know, do with that. I know. It, it, it was, it was and I'm not whole, saying that you were going to start that down that road. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, he drew, he grew up a lot, uh, you know, spent a good chunk of his childhood up in like Ringling, Oklahoma, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, his dad was like, you know, hey, Cody was an exceptional kid, and he made good grades, everything like that. But once the divorce hit, his behavior took a took a turn for the worse. He started, you know, doing drugs, becoming more violent. Um, yeah, at that age, you know, I don't know what it is, but they can't they can't accept the fact 
that their world is changing. There's a lot of people that can't do that. They they end up and see and that and that comes back on the parents. Yeah, it really does. And you know, I mean, I, I get that. You know, the kids they have to make that realization. They have to start piecing together that new reality. I I, I don't they, know why they can't just go. Oh, two Christmases now. <laughs> true. You know, I mean, like, and not to not to make the story about me, but it like my kids. Okay. They're going, you know, I mean, the divorce has been final for like two years. You know, now going on two years. Um, I've been separated slash divorced from my last wife for the better part of three years now, you know, and. But, you know, what kind of environment that they, they, they have at the house when they're with her? I don't I don't know. I mean, it's, that's not my job to know. I mean. You, you kind of you, you have to put it on the other parent to say, you know, you are being trusted with the safety and security of our children. Always it's not ask, your kids, not my kids. It's our kids, right? I always ask if uh, anything is like uh, with my kid. I just ask. It's like, okay, uh, are you being hurt or anything like that? No. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'll ask, those, I'll ask those, those obligatory questions like, you know, hey, how's everything at home? Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. <clears throat> you know. But as it relates to this case, you know, it's like once the mom remarried and, you know, the the stepdad, I don't know what kind of person the stepdad is. The stepdad seemed all indignant because he's like, well, that's my gun. I want my gun back. Like, well, no. It was part of a crime. It has to you, be. Your son, your stepson used your weapon in a murder. So this weapon has blood on it now, you know, and it's like. This is now state or, you know, county evidence. You know, it's like, it's not going to be released ever. He's not going to get that gun back. And it's a fucking 22. Yeah. I mean, there were, like, 150 bucks a pop? If that. And, you know, that's depending on, you know. That's why That's why a lot of people is like, why don't uh, The only time frame I carry my, uh, my uh, competition gun is when I go up to the range when I need to practice with it. But any time I go around town, I I still practice with the going around town. Yeah, I mean they're just smaller and everything like that. They're, but they're plinkers and it's, they're great. Now don't don't let's for those of uh, our listening audience or viewing audience that are gun aficionados. Yes, we understand that twenty twos are lethal. Obviously, in this case, it was proven. But we, you know, we've got people up in Alaska that are dropping moose with twenty two. Yeah, that, that's really amazing. Twenty. It doesn't matter it, what kind of firearm you lethality use. Lethality is lethality. lethality yeah. But, um, I mean, you can have a debate forever. It's like, oh, no, this round's good. But we're not getting on that. Yeah, we're not getting on that because I mean, we're, we're trying to stay focused on this particular episode. Yeah. But um, even though it's it's going to be a kind of short one because it's, it's kind of recent. And yeah. He, he, we just wanted to do... I think once a month we're going to try to do something for our hometown and everything, yeah. even though it's kind of bad. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and even before leading up to the murder, he was dealing with an ex. Cody Lott was, and he was dealing with an ex. I mean, even like even up to I think like maybe the day of or the day before, he sent his ex a threatening text because she had started getting involved with somebody else, and I think actually got pregnant. And. So he got all... He has very abandonment issues stuff. Well, for what it's worth, he kind of brought that on himself. Yeah. You know, um, now what kind of environment that his mom and stepdad provided for him, 
don't really know. I mean, did they did they do anything to like help get him into like rehab or anything like that? Uh, get him to a counselor, you know, something. Or were they just like, oh, I'm just so glad to have you. You can just kind of run them, you know, run them up and do whatever, you know, whatever you want. It's like, hey, well, look, you know, you know, you kids got drug issues. Why in the ever loving shit? Why is he not in rehab? You know, I mean, well, I mean, just why do you, why are you giving him access to your gun safe? And and it's not to pile on. It's not to add insult or injury or anything like that. It's not to rub salt in the wounds. I mean, it's already bad enough that you're dealing with the fact that your son is now a murderer. Okay. But why is it that stepdad, at the very least, you know, coming up on charges of gun negligence? Yeah. You know, because, <clears throat> you know, and, and that's one of the bigger things, you know, kind of like a bigger issue thing. You, 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 you know, we, all these gun control advocates want to talk about taking guns away from people that, that are law-abiding and making it harder for them because, well, you know, because, you know, criminals, they buy the law whenever they're purchasing their weapons, right? They always do. Right, always, always. Once, when you're in gun-free zone, not one gun. Not one Crim- gun. No yeah. criminal. Gun-free zones to- work. Just, just, just. Uh, you know, ask the men and women that that died at Fort Hood. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, because that but that was a gun-free zone. That, that was ridiculous. But um, I, I, I'm I'm sorry on something like that. Anytime that happens on a military base, I'm like. Well, we can thank the Clinton administration. For yeah. That. But getting back to this case. You know, anytime, like, you see a school shooting or something like that, it's always a kid that got the gun from their parents, you know. Well, the one that just happened recently. Yeah, I mean, he stole the gun from his dad's gun safe or some shit like that. It's like, okay. And uh, I'm surprised it's not, like, publicized a little bit more. Well, it's because that particular gun shooting didn't fit the narrative. Yeah. Kid was black. And, you know, he went in. I think it was just because he, he, was, like, he, he was... No, he was being bullied and everything Yeah, he was like being that. bullied. But it didn't fit the narrative. So he went in there, and I just... It was just... He just started randomly shooting. Yeah. Okay. It's still tragic. It's still... I mean, it's he still, still shot the uh, kid that was bullying. Yeah, he shot the kid that but was bullying. But he just bullying, kept on going. But he just kept going. So, but... And he, he still had access... And he turned himself in. After a while. But... Yeah. He still had access to those guns. Yeah. Free access. You know, I'm like, okay, I keep my gun safe keys on me or I keep them out of reach. You know, my kids do not know where my weapons or where, where my gun safe key is, period. Um, yes, I keep a 9 mil. You know, I keep a Glock where I can get to it. In case somebody decides that you want to, you know, test my 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 uh, my Second Amendment right um, at home, <clears throat> but my kids understand. I've taken them to the range. You know, they're nine and, and twelve. I mean, uh, ten and twelve. They know. Hey, look these these are these are dangerous when improperly deployed. Yeah. You know, somebody they understand. Um. It goes back to parenting. What kind of what kind of environment was the mother and the stepdad fostering? I mean, what, I mean, were, were they enabling the drug use? I mean, were they just kind of like, we don't want to deal with you. We just don't want to have to pay child support or whatever. You know, it's that's that's another thing that happens a lot, and it's kind of sad. Is is the and and this is father or mother. It doesn't yeah. really matter which one, uh, but they end up. Uh, 
not stepping up to take care of their kids. And it's a small percentage. Yeah, and, 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 and there's a difference been, between being present and being active. So, and, and that, that goes into a whole other whole other category. But the bottom line is, is that the, the stepdad and the mom started surfacing up in these, these post-murder interviews, um, especially during the trial, Oh, I, we just don't think that he would have been capable of doing that. And once it was proven that he did it because he admitted to it, um, you know, they're like, well, we, we want my gun back. And the police department, the DA's office was like, yeah, that's not happening. So I think they actually filed a lawsuit, if I'm not mistaken. If I, if I remember correctly, they filed a lawsuit against the DA's office to get that gun released out of evidence. And they're like, no, one, because it's still an active trial. Two, it's still an active investigation. They're still investigating it at that point. Um, at this point, he's he's already been uh, transferred over to the uh, New Boston prison over in East Texas. So that's where he's that's where he's spending his days now, uh, Cody Lott is. But, um, yeah, even his bell was like $4 million when he... When they did oh, yeah, that. yeah. The, was, I mean, it was stupid. Ridiculous. Maureen Shelton, I think, was the DA at the time. And so she did that right. Yeah. You know, now, if John Gillespie had been DA at the time, oh, he would have cut all kinds of deals with this guy. His bond would have been, like, low, and he'd have been out roaming the streets. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, why are you doing that? You're going to get a shot down. What, what, what pisses me off is uh, after time it gets, it gets brought down anyways because uh, Ava's killer was, like, a million-dollar bond, and then... Uh, after a while, it was like a hundred thousand. Yeah, you off. know, <clears throat> for for somebody who was quote unquote ran on a platform of being tough on crime, there sure seems to be a lot of deals getting made with some of the more heinous crimes, while people who, you know, it, it, people who either a didn't really do anything or b basically like class b misdemeanor type things right they're having the book thrown at them and they're being you know i mean their cases being drug out (coughs) the da that was active at the time the da that was in office at the time that this case and this trial was all going down was marine shelton and this case for me at least and, and and i know for the uh you know, for the family of of, of uh, Lauren and and for the Smith family, for Michaela, both they they feel as though okay, this this was handled properly. He was brought to justice. He's serving time. He's not going to be uh, eligible for his first parole hearing for like another thirty years. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be like twenty forty seven or something like that before you know he's he's eligible for parole. And oh, let me see something here. Uh, I saw where his date was. Um, he, he he's serving the sentences concurrently and will be eligible for parole on September third of twenty forty six. Now his parents did become act, or not his parents. Lauren's parents became activists for stiffer penalties for for people who murder children. Um, and effective September first. Um, one of the one of the laws that went into effect uh, with the the whole mass signing the by Governor Abbott mm-hmm. um, 
uh, it's called Lauren's Law. Yeah. It toughened penalties in certain murder cases involving children. So, uh, and I believe that this guy, I, I believe that um, his sentencing didn't, it, it didn't fall under Lauren's Law, but this case was the reason for Lauren's Law. Yeah, a lot of the thing. cases that we go over, they end up making laws that would hopefully help prevent it. Yeah, so I mean, obviously we can't sit there and be all like, well, we need to retroactively do this, or, you know, that we needed to know about this back then. It's unfortunate that through tragedy and, and loss that we bring things into existence that ultimately make us as a, as a society safer. And again, incredibly unfortunate but the fact is is that now this is a legacy type thing okay so you know whenever you know the, the in, in the future if 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 uh you know children become you know vi victims of murder this you know lauren's law is going to be cited and used in those cases. I wonder if that uh, actually uh, bans out for the people that are being pedophiles and everything like that. Well, no, because, I mean, it's specifically, Lauren's Law, law specifically deals with murder. Now, as far as, um, <coughs> you know, as far as, like, pedophilia um, or child pornography, stuff like that, um, I'm sure that there's another law named after a victim that's out there. Yeah, we went over a couple of them. Yeah, but, um, I mean, but uh, Lauren's family said that since her death, they, along with their family, friends, and community, they've, they've all struggled, you know, because, see, if she was 7th uh, or 8th grade, 2018, she'd be a junior or possibly even a senior now getting ready to graduate high school so you know when that time when that when that you know because when Michaela graduates they, they were classmates yeah when Michaela graduates that's going to be a big thing and that is going to be a hard hard moment it's going to be a very like um melancholy uh, melancholy you know moment for Lauren's family because well they're going to be happy that Michaela graduated and that she's moving on with her life and she's she's about to step into adulthood they're going to be devastated they're going to be heartbroken that they're not getting to watch Lauren walk across the stage and there's really no rep you know uh, re recompense uh, recompense for that i know i'm not using the word properly but th there's not going to be any kind of like reparations for that there's not going to be any kind of solace for that type of thing you know, so I mean, every time Lauren's birthday rolls around, I mean, and, and even here more recently, it was fact it was this year. You know, all those those uh, horse statues that we have all over town that are painted differently. Yeah, the one that was put outside of McNeil was Lauren's horse, right? The one that was painted for her. Oh, okay. Some couple of jackass kids here in town decided it'd be funny to fucking steal the horse, so it came up missing. What the. F yeah, yeah. People are. Well, you know, because those those horses those are mounted to like bronze 
yeah. plates, right? And the bronze you plates are... Them off. Yeah, well, they, they cut them off at the hooves. They, they cut the horse off at the hooves and put the horse in the back of a band pickup truck just haul it off somewhere. And there was like up there, I think it was like a $10,000 reward for, for information leading to the recovery of the horse. And they eventually found the horse and the people that was behind it, they figured it out and they arrested him. And, you know, those people are sitting over there at the county annex right now waiting trial. But, I don't know why there's so many shit pumps around. Yeah, it's just because, you know, and, you know, and it's like I, I, I tell my sons, you know. Don't be a shit pump. People in this world suck. Yeah. And, the only, you know, you we can't control what people do. The only thing that we can control is how we react to it. Yeah. And, and, and what we can do to make our portion, our, our corner of the universe, a better place to be. And, uh, you know, we, we can get into the whole killing them with kindness kind of a thing and just, you know, it, being better people. Um, or you name your gun kindness. <laughs> or the right, axe. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you, you you name your self-defense weapon kindness so that way you can kill them with that. But, you know, in all seriousness, it's like getting back to the, the dad, the mom, the stepdad for Cody Lott. It's my responsibility as a dad, even if I was still married to, to their mom. It's still my responsibility. It's my, it's my God-outlined role to be a model for my boys, to show them what it means to be not only a God-fearing man, but to be a responsible male. Yeah. You know, step into that role of leadership for your family, for your mate, you know, whether it be girlfriend, wife, what have you. And I, I unfortunately, I think is in, in the, as far as Cody Austin Lott was concerned, he didn't have that guidance. He didn't. Now, now, I know that he was living with his dad for a while, and then he went to go live with his mom and his stepdad. I don't know if that was just because his dad couldn't handle it. And I'm not I'm not throwing anybody under the bus by any stretch of imagination, at least not as his biological dad. He probably said, look, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't. I, I don't know what to do to fix this. I don't know what to do to help you. And his mom probably came in and said, well, he just needs his mom. And so his dad was like, well, okay. So, you know, if at least at that time, maybe his dad was thinking, I'm doing what is best for my kid. No, that kid needed therapy. Well, we can say that now. But at the time, you know. He no, even, a, even before that, um, most most kids that get. Once he got into the drugs and everything like that, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, look, son, you, we need to get you into rehab. We need to get you some therapy, some counseling. Yeah, I think that ultimately that a mark was missed there. Yeah. But um um but Yeah, no, keyboard still doesn't work. <laughs> okay. But um Yay, Apple Care, here I come. Um but uh you know, it it he was denied some some basic parenting. Yeah, somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line, he was denied some basic parenting. Now, are we saying that 
a cohesive family unit, family environment that's conducive and nurturing, is that going to be the end all to be all to cure all for, for any future serial murderers or murderers, period? No, no some of them are just saying. fucktards. You know, some, I mean, some people just, they get off on it and they just, they realize, you know, hey, we go down this rabbit hole and somewhere the wires get crossed. Yeah. And there's a short circuit somewhere upstairs, but. And sometimes it's just an accident. Yeah, sometimes it is. It's sometimes like, it is you know, just an accident. accident of, you know, human nature, but accident of like, there, there's a lot of people that they flip their switch because they get hit by a car or something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> The universe tried its damnedest that day a couple of weeks ago to take me off of this planet. But, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, and <laughs> get pop. You know, I'm going to be like that. You know, I'm not going to start leveling my belly. I don't know about that yet. I'm still testing it. Look, man, I've already had, this is like my third or fourth cup of coffee this morning. Yeah, it's like a shot of tranquilizer for you, though. But that's most But there's Geneva Convention articles that state that I cannot hold a weapon in my hand until I've had at least one cup of coffee. But uh, <laughs> I wonder if there is. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go look. That would that'd be so funny, right? Like thou shalt not. You know, it, it reads like an, it reads like a no. The, no, it, it's like uh, it has your name specifically on oh, there. Oh right, yeah, like the Johnny Skelton provision in the Geneva Convention. Yeah. yeah, but um, that, that you know, I I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not if the, if the, if I if we ran across something like that. I'm not sure that I would either be a proud of it or be concerned. I'd be proud of it. I mean, how, how many articles of uh, in the Geneva Convention? I mean, you 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 did something so horrible once. They had to make an article in the Geneva Convention to do it. True. I mean. You got away with a war crime once. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can shoot an officer once before it becomes a war crime. Uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, just for whatever reason. If I sit there and pull up the virtual keyboard. It works. It works. But I don't want to have to do that. Why is it doing that? I have no idea. Anyways, I guess that's uh, it for this time, folks. Uh, sorry for being a little bit late today. The What the Hell episode will be on time. Uh, I guess catch you guys later. I'm David Dickerman. I'm Johnny Skelton. And this is Psychos and so uh, Sociopath doing Cody Lot. Thank you, folks.